Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and other stuff. Today, we're going to be talking about movies, and specifically Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Scythe. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. All right, let's get to it. And if I remember correctly, the next scene is in Palpatine's office with Anakin. Is that right? Oh, no, maybe it's like Anakin shows up late to Obi-Wan's briefing. Oh, I think you might be right. I think it might be him showing up to the briefing late. Because then he says that the counselors requested his presence and that they don't know why. Yes, that's right. The chancellor, yes. And then so he, he goes there and the chancellor is like, I want you to be my representative on the council and yada, yada, yada. So then he goes to the council and they're like, okay. Council's like, we will allow you to be on our council as the representative for the Republican Senate, but you're not a Jedi Master. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the story changes on Anakin. This is such a power play by Palpatine. He's like, you know what? I need to drive a wedge between a whole lot of people. What's the best way to do it? Ah, I know. I'll jam Anakin down their craw. <laughs> <laughs> He's headstrong and gullible. <laughs> I'll do something unprecedented. <laughs> you gotta also look at the Jedi and go, why is that position necessary? Why would we even let this happen? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like Palpatine's like, all right, I'm going to do something because I'm trying to, you know, cause problems here more or less with the Jedi. I'm going to assign somebody to the Jedi Council. I know that's never happened probably in the entirety of the uh, of the Senate, but I'm going to do it. And then the council's like, mm-hmm. well, we, we probably wouldn't let you do it, except we kind of want to spy on you and we're going to use Anakin to do it. <laughs> and so that's why we'll accept the offer. And Anakin's like, I don't want to be a pawn. <laughs> I'm not a pawn. I'm a rock. Come on. <laughs> Wouldn't it have been easier, though, to have done that by not letting him on the council? <laughs> because then you're just letting somebody else, you know, into your inner circle to, you know, be a problem. I think that part of it, they're trying to maybe work with Palpatine or make it seem like they're working with Palpatine more likely. There's a lot of power plays going on here, and Anakin's more or less caught in the middle. He's caught between the council trying to figure out what's going on with Palpatine and and Palpatine trying to bleep the council over. Right. <laughs> Anakin's more or less caught in the middle. The onus is more or less on Palpatine to convince Anakin that the Jedi Council is doing the thing that he's doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that he's the one that's getting screwed over. Which is kind of what the rest of the movie is about to a certain point. <laughs> Very much so. The, the actual war is like an under is an undertone. Yeah, because then you get the Kashyyyk War going on where Yoda's like, alright, I'll go take a battalion, I'll go take care of that because the uh, droids are reinvading or they're doubling down on invading Kashyyyk and so that takes Yoda out of the picture. I'm trying to think is this the scene? Is this the scene at the playhouse? Well at first they put Anakin on the council and then yes right. they're going to say that Yoda's going to go off with the Wookiees and a couple of the other Jedi are going to go off and do their thing and then they adjourn the meeting and then on the way out Anakin voices his frustration to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan gives him the assignment of pouring the Chancellor's dealings to the council. Well at the same time telling Anakin I I didn't want to do this. Right. But this was the council's decision, which unfortunately sows some amount of distrust in Obi-Wan. And I think, you know, it's this kind of coupled with the dream stuff later on that I think eventually convinces Anakin to turn on Obi-Wan. But I got to be honest, this was probably the weak link in the, okay, he's not that gullible. Like, it's not even, like, you can't even <laughs> overcome gullibility here. This is like <laughs> his father, effectively. Right. <laughs> who became his brother. Like, I, mm, I don't think you're going to be able to undermine this 
this relationship just by doing this. Like you can undermine Anakin's relationship with the council, which you totally do through this power play and the subsequent moves you make. But this scene is supposed to kind of set up the beginning of the tensions between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it really, especially because subsequent scenes, they still act all cool with each other. It doesn't do a good job of that, I think. Right. And this is where all of a sudden, like if you're a thinking person, you're going, wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) this is probably my, I would say my favorite non-action, non- nothing scene <laughs> because it's it is something of a sparring match it's a social conversation sparring match so uh, it, you know combat's easy to see right when people fight each other mm. but there are there are times where you watch people spar with each other verbally and you know these days we don't have the we've kind of lost that art like there's an art to it nowadays when people get into quote-unquote discussions they don't really get they get into arguments or fights when they yell at each other there are ways to have you know disagreements or arguments or, or talk about things where you're kind of kind of jabbing at each other the whole time but it's it's sort of in good fun and it's within the rules and everybody knows but you know you can tell there was a winner to that there was a winner to that discussion that that kind of thing and that that's very much what's going on here and you see sort of a master of this you know technique or style of quote-unquote fighting <laughs> going against somebody who's not very good right that verbal sparring only happens for like the first third of the conversation now it gets to the point where palpatine gets basically backhanded by anakin Palpatine's kind of sowing little doubts about the jedi and how they're just really lustful for power and they're not really what they say they are but we're skipping over one part so so when, when Anakin first shows up to the playhouse and goes to the Chancellor, Chancellor says, hey, we found out where General Grievous is. He's in Utapau. Good news, everyone. <laughs> right. Good news. We found Grievous. And I think it would be a major misstep if the council didn't send you to take care of him. Yes. And then he says, okay, everybody else out of the room. I want to talk to Anakin. <laughs> Leave me. And then they have a back and forth about the Jedi and about the philosophies of the Jedi and how they're not terribly different from the Sith and the Sith the other thing and then yeah Anakin does a fair job of pushing back on that yeah he shuts Palpatine down he's like right. no no the Sith are all about you know emotion and anger and the, the Jedi are compassionate and caring done <laughs> and Palpatine looks at him like mm, mm. alright change the tactics I'm going to tell you a story <laughs> and it's a beautiful move I think uh, on Palpatine's part he tells the, the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise who has uh, figured out how to keep people from dying because he knows Anakin has problems with that. And you get the idea that he has confided in Palpatine some of his dreams because we, we've seen, I think we've skipped over a scene with Padme, haven't we? I don't think so. One of the dream sequences. Because there's a lot of little little Padme scenes kind of inter interspersed in there. There must have been one. And they don't last very long. They're like two minutes. There's a scene where they're talking and they're talking about love and love has blinded you and ha 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 foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And then, yeah, a little bit later he's having that dream and, you know, she dies in child. He tells her what the dream is. So I assume at this point he's confided in Palpatine. There's that assumption, but seeing how we never saw that, then my thing would have been because that I, there there wasn't a scene where he tells Palpatine that he had a dream that Padme was going to die. The other possibility is he's reading his mind. Which is what I would say, and which is why I was like, well, wait a minute. Wouldn't a, a thinking person go, why are you telling me this? <laughs> but then you get that whole, Anakin is so focused in on being able to stop death. Because that's one of the things that comes out of the Amidala scenes, is he makes the same promise to her that he made to his dead mom, right? Right, right. You know, I promise you I won't let you die. And then, I don't remember, she promises him something, and then he's like, no, I promise 
promise you <laughs> I won't let you down kind of a thing. Right. But obviously he's kind of blinded by love, more or less. And he's so laser focused on, oh, there's somebody out there who could stop death. I've got this girl who I think is going to die, who I love, and I want to save her. So now I have to learn this thing. Tell me more. <laughs> of course, the inline is, you can't learn this from a Jedi. And again, I'd be like, that's a weird thing to say. Not from a Jedi. Yes, that's mm, suspicious. <laughs> Considering our, uh, the earlier, our, our earlier conversation where it is clear that you are not a fan of the Jedi, mm -hmm. despite the fact that they uh, saved your life. <laughs> yes. And you're, you're literally telling me a legend about a Sith Lord. And you've started to glow a little bit red, and there's crackles of electricity around you, and there's just giant Sith thing above you. It's a Sith, flashing Sith, Sith, Sith. Like, how is it that you know intimate details of stories of other Sith? Yes. No, I haven't heard of Darth Plagueis the Wise, and neither has anybody else in the last thousand years. <laughs> I'm absolutely not going to ask you how you know about that. Yeah. From there, we go back to the council, where Anakin tells the council that Grievous is on Utapal, and that the Chancellor would like for Anakin to be the one to go get him, and then Mace Windu slaps that right back down and goes, no, we call our own shots, thank you. Yeah, which is, you know, again, a power play that Anakin gets caught in the middle of, because let's be honest, Anakin's not a bad choice for this. <laughs> or even just sending both Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. That also not a bad choice for this. <laughs> Let's just go have them take care of this thing. But no, power play by the Jedi Council that backfires in their face pretty massively. So they send Obi-Wan. Yes. And so then we get the just an, another amazing scene between uh, Christensen and McGregor, you know, kind of paralleling the best conversation they had in episode two, mm -hmm. also at a train station before one of them gets on a ship. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I've been impatient. I've been a bad student, yada, yada. Yeah. And Obi-Wan, thank you for all your training. And Obi-Wan's like, you're not a bad kid. You're very strong. You know, in some ways you're you're better than I am, but you just got to be patient. And then I will see you later. <laughs> yep. He's, and he says, you know, you're you're a far greater Jedi than I ever hoped to be. And don't worry, you'll be a master soon. Just be patient. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> And so he leaves. And then after he's gone, you get the next dream sequence where suddenly Obi-Wan is part of the dream telling Padme to, to hold on, which again is attempting to feed into this distrust scenario between Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan, which is, is unbelievable. And in some ways, Padme too now. Yeah, and it's somewhat unbelievable in light of the conversation he just had with Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. And then this is where it's like, oh, Obi-Wan was here. And she's like, yeah, he's worried about you. And then, you know, he's like, don't worry, everything will be fine. I'm not going to let you die. She's like, well, wait, you worried about me dying? <laughs> she talks to him about, I know where I want to have the baby. You know, we'll go back to Naboo. We'll go to the gardens. I'll have the baby there. I've got the perfect room set out for it. And you're like, oh. Because, <laughs> you know, if you've seen episode four, you know, it doesn't go down like right. that. <laughs> and then the next scene is where Anakin's with Yoda. Did we skip that scene earlier? We did. That was before. Because he goes from the scene with Yoda and talking to him about the dreams. The dream, yes. And goes to the debrief with Obi-Wan and then gets sent to the Chancellors. And this is another display of super maturity on his part. Like, he's going to Yoda, the master of, you know, dreams and future interpretation, that kind of stuff, and asking them, hey, I've got this thing. This is what happened last time with my mom. What should I do? And uh, Yoda's response is very Jedi slash Buddhist slash 
Christian mystic, <laughs> which is everything's going to die. You got to you got to come to terms with that. <laughs> and you as a Jedi, you got to learn to let go of these things because they will ultimately destroy you with the feelings that are attached with them. Yes. You shouldn't mourn their loss because they are going they're going to be one with the force as you will one day be. Yeah, it's all very good philosophy and exactly what Yoda was going to say. But for, a, you know, 18 to 20 year old headstrong kid, not what he wanted to hear at all. <laughs> <laughs> like he wanted to hear that there was something you could do about it. He wanted a course of action, not you need to grow spiritually. Oh, <laughs> wasn't there something I could do? Nope. But, but. <laughs> you kind of see from that point on, it's kind of like, okay, this wise teacher didn't have anything for me. And I'm like, no, he gave you the, the best advice possible. You just don't want to take it. <laughs> okay, so then we'll go forward again. I guess we go to Obi-Wan arriving on Utapath. Yeah, I mean, kind of we follow Obi-Wan onto the ship. He describes how this is going to go, you know, most of the cities in Utapau are on the far side of the planet, whatever the far side means, because they're light years away from this place. But okay, it's on the far side of the planet. And uh, Obi-Wan's like, okay, I'm going to go on ahead and I'll find Grievous and we'll set everything up. And Cody's like, well, you know, just don't, don't get too far ahead of us. We'll be right behind you. And Obi's went, well, then it's on me not to not to kill all the battle droids. And <laughs> <laughs> to show the kind of rapport that the Jedi and the, the clone troopers had. The Jedi who somehow became master tacticians and are leading all the armies somehow <laughs> rapidly turning from a police force into military general staff. Right. <laughs> but yes, they have rapport with the clones and the clones obviously have some kind of have personalities. They have individual names. They have souls. <laughs> <laughs> I think and then we follow Obi-Wan to the planet, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this is where kind of at least the storyline kind of stays a little streamlined, unlike the last movie, is that we keep kind of following this story, which is good. So yeah, we follow him down to the planet. He meets the people from Utapau and uh, he says, I'd like to use your base, or I'd like to use your planet as a base while I go search for Grievous. They're like, oh yeah, no problem. And then, he's here. <laughs> he's there. He's watching us. <laughs> I just grabbed my bats. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then he's like, okay, no problem. If you got, you know, soldiers, use them now. We'll be on it. <laughs> it's funny because he doesn't like whisper at all. <laughs> he's like, well, now it's time to do it. <laughs> you're just like, ah, way to do that, Obi-Wan. <laughs> way to expose the resistance. <laughs> this is probably one of the cooler scenes, I think, at least in the aspect of kind of seeing Obi-Wan as a character. He gets a, a steed, this feathered lizard, yeah, and starts crawling around. Yeah, it goes up to the the upper levels and kind of sneaks around somehow on this giant lizard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he sees the separatists talking, and uh, General Grievous is going to move them to the Mustafar system because the Republic is coming and they'll be safe there. And the separatists kind of express a, "Hey, Dooku's dead. How do we know you're going to keep us safe?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, do you really have a choice?" <laughs> Turns out. The answer is no. <laughs> you know, Obi-Wan just seems to uh, drop in on the party. <laughs> and so he does. I'm like, balls, balls of steel. Definitely more gun-ho Obi-Wan in this movie. Yeah, not a whole lot of holding back here. And, I, I, you know, I think that's basically a... Uh, Hey, we've been at war for a while now and everybody's kind of more competent in their combat abilities. And so they know what they can and can't do. Now, granted, if Grievous had, had said, everybody shoot your lasers at him, <laughs> he probably would have died. So I think Grievous should have gone that route, but he didn't. That was one of those points, too, that I noticed. I was like, hmm, I don't know why he decided to take him one on one when he had like 50 guys around him. But 
Okay. <laughs> Ballsy. <laughs> so he sends the, uh, what are the guard droids or whatever with the purple things? Magna guards. The Magna guards after him. And he drops that giant thing on him, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, I've got five of these things to fight. How am I going to oh, just smash? <laughs> and then he cuts one of them in half that's trying to get away. <laughs> and then Grievous decides to fight him one on one. And so this is kind of a, you know, there's been a little bit of build up to this talking about Grievous being really important and the beginning scroll, he's an evil general and okay. And then suddenly he's got these lightsabers and he comes up and comes to full height and sprouts two extra limbs, starts going with the lightsabers and you're like, oh, this is going to be a really awesome fight scene. It's not. <laughs> it's a cool fight scene. It's not the, the, uh, like a big lightsaber fight scene. Yeah. There is no point during that fight that you think that Obi-Wan is not confident he is going to win the fight. Right. At no point does it look like he's scared or concerned or even like, oh, this is going to be hard to do. It's a good fight, but there's no, there really is no dramatic tension to it because of that fact, which I guess was intended, seeing that Grievous is not a force user, so he doesn't have the I can look into the immediate future and plan my moves out, unlike Obi-Wan. Well, at one point, he does say to, to Obi-Wan, because he's got him really buried down on him with two lightsabers, mm-hmm. and he goes, he's like, deep downside, you know you are doomed. Yeah, you realize you're doomed, and Obi-Wan's like, I don't think so. But in the middle of this fight, then all of a sudden the Republic army comes in and distracts from the fight. Yep, they come in and they start shooting. It's a big battle in the background, which is honestly a lot of fun. Right, <laughs> and Obi-Wan kind of kicks Grievous around a little bit and they just break apart. Yep. And so it becomes a bit of a chasing. Yeah, the chase is kind of fun. They, you know, he's in this uh, roller hamster wheel kind of thing, which is going along and, and Obi-Wan's chasing him on his lizard. There's kind of a fight back and forth with the Magna Guard stick and then Obi-Wan gets finally pulled on the roller ball and they, they go up to the very, very top and they're fighting up there and they get to the point where they're fighting kind of with hands and fists and Obi-Wan realizes at this stage there's a problem because he's made out of, you know, metal. Metal. <laughs> and so I kind of laughed at that because I was thinking, what was he thinking? I go, but you know, when you're just in like heat of battle and whatnot and you're just trying to connect any way you can mm-hmm. and then you just kick and go, oh, right, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kicks him. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. He's metal. Turns out that's going to hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really painful. <laughs> this hurts more than more than it looks like it does. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a dramatic scene of, you know, Obi-Wan hanging from the side of a platform. Grievous is bearing down on him. Yep. And Obi-Wan uses the force to grab a blaster bolt. Oh, well, we forgot the kind of like the interesting part is like they're in like a death grip with each other. And then so Obi-Wan being choked decides he's going to rip open the chest plate and that's when you realize that Grievous has got some organic parts to him. Yeah, he's not fully robotic. He's a cyborg of some kind. Right. He's got a beating, looks like a beating heart. And then, you know, Grievous notices and he's like, you son of a... <laughs> yeah. And after that point, Grievous doesn't speak English anymore. He speaks some sort of weird alien language. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yeah, Obi-Wan's hanging from the platform, uses the force to grab a blaster bolt and just goes to town on that midsection. Yeah. And shoots him in the chest three or four times. Four times. And it's kind of cool because apparently that number of blasts causes fire to come out of Grievous's eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Again, space fantasy. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Obi-Wan gets up, tosses the god, goes, how uncivilized. Which is a call forward slash back to the next movie. When he talks about blasters being uncivilized weapons or lightsabers being from a more civilized age. So, it was, uh, you know, that whole sequence was pretty good. It was fun, but it wasn't super awesome. And it was a little bit of a letdown from what it was expected. Obviously, not the same kind of letdown I had at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> but, but a good a good fight scene. 
I think at this point they take a bit of a break and maybe somewhere in this is when you get the scene where Yoda goes to Kashyyyk mm-hmm. and starts the, the battle with the Wookiees. Yeah. So you get the setting up the defenses and then the, the robots start to show up and, you know, they're coming across the water and Yoda's like, well, now's the time. And then for some reason, a bunch of the Wookiees leave their fortifications to yell on the beach, which <laughs> is very Wookiee, but very stupid from a battle perspective. It's a very Wookiee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you get the kind of cool scenario where you have robots coming out of the water because they don't need to breathe so they're just sort of appearing out of the surf and shooting as they come up and so that's all fun and then you get the Wookiees you know going on the vines doing the Tarzan yell sticking bombs on the side of the roller tanks which is funny (laughs) (laughs) very World War II kind of stuff (laughs) yeah yeah you kind of get a World War II sort of vibe from the troopers we're all wearing camo gear it's a fun little battle scene Yoda almost gets shot (laughs) he has to step back and there's a laser blast hits where he was standing and he's like ah that was quite as safe as I thought still at it <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I think we go back to Coruscant yeah so go back to Coruscant where Commander Cody mm-hmm. tells the council that they've killed General Grievous Mace Windu says go tell the Chancellor and tell us what his reaction is it'll give us insight into what his plans are because at this point they've, they've and I think this happened in the conversation between Anakin and Obi-Wan where they talk about the Chancellor's held on to his power far longer than his you know his term expired a long time ago and everything's very irregular about all of this and he's he's got even more emergency powers and is he going to let all this go and the got to make sure he lets this go when it ends and that's something that the Jedi talk about after Anakin leaves because Mace Windu you know Yoda's there in hologram form and Caddy Mundi's there in hologram form and Mace Windu's like okay I mean this is it Reeves is dead like if he doesn't give us up his emergency power we're going to have to remove him from office. We're going to have to take over the Senate to make they're sure there's a smooth transition. And Yoda's like shaking his head like mm. <laughs> this does not sound good at all guys. Yeah. <laughs> there's some very disturbing things that are being said here. <laughs> you know and Anakin's not an earshot for any of this but the audience is and it's sort of like well it kind of plays into what Palpatine was saying about the Jedi that they just want to take over. So then we get Anakin rushing off to tell Palpatine and he tells Palpatine. Palpatine's like good news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually the Sith Lord that everyone's been looking for. Yes, and he just he just comes out like everybody makes these super ballsy moves in the last half of this movie. Like you get Obi-Wan jumps in on Grievous. You get this, guess who I am? The Sith Lord. (laughs) And what's even better about all of this is Gannigan's like, oh, I should probably kill you, but I'm not. I'm gonna go tell on you and leave you right here so that way just don't do anything bad while I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> that I because uh, <laughs> he pulls the lightsaber out and he's like yeah do that do what you're about to do I mean you're not gonna because I've seen the next you know set of movies here but do it <laughs> I should kill you where you stand yes you should do it <laughs> And then, like I said, he's just like, you stay here while I go get the other people and just don't do anything bad while we're gone. (laughs) As long as I don't die, I can teach you how to save Padme from certain death. Smile. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. If that's not the most evil bastard ever. (laughs) You hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? (laughs) (laughs) So Anakin goes and tells Mace Windu, hey, he's actually a Sith Lord. He's like, what? (laughs) He is the Sith Lord. How certain are you? On our... 
percent. He told me. He told me he's the Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm going to kind of lay it out here for you. We don't trust you, so just stay here. But I should totally be there. Did you not hear me? <laughs> yes. And honestly, I got to say that was the right call from, from Mace Windu's perspective. <laughs> Obviously, this kid who's been jockeyed around by both the Jedi Council and by Palpatine, probably not who we want embroiled in this situation. <laughs> Could end badly if he's involved. We should probably put him here. But I think Mace Windu made a bad call on what he told him to do. Go wait up in the... So the way Mace Windu should have said it was, we're going to go fight a Sith Lord. We might all die. Someone has to be here to take over the Order in case we all die. <laughs> right. Or to protect the temple at the very least. <laughs> yes. Because obviously the Emperor, because he gets voted Emperor right before this, right? No, not before this. Oh, no, that's right. He doesn't. Because of this, he... Yes, yes. No, it all goes back to Jar Jar, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells Anakin, stay here, and if this all goes well, you will have gained my trust again. But for now, go to the council chambers and wait there. Brood. <laughs> yes, yes, go brood. Go brood, because that's going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> so was this the other number one favorite non-action scene that you're talking about? This is my favorite nothing scene, <laughs> of which there are two in the, in the film where literally Anakin is just standing there in the council chamber slash sitting and doing absolutely nothing. And there's some music and there is some slight panning of the shot and it goes between him and Padme. Yep. And you can tell that they're kind of looking at each other across the expanse of this, you know, world city. And the, the shot keeps getting closer in panning from there. You know, it's from her viewpoint and she can see the Jedi temple way off in the distance. And then it's from his viewpoint. He can see her building way off in the distance. And then it switches back to her. And then you see the temple and a little like it's panning towards the temple and the music is sort of building up this whole time and the dramatic tension all being built in the scene extremely important because you know what's going on in, in his head right in both of their heads Padme's trying to figure out so obviously she feels that something is going on right <laughs> he is trying to piece this all together like okay it's the right thing that they're going to go take out this Sith Lord because he's manip you know you can kind of see the gears turning in your head holy crap he's manipulated the whole everything into this situation where he he got to take over the whole the whole galaxy as supreme chancellor chancellor who's never ending and but he's offering me this ability to save my wife and I know she's going to die because I trust my dreams for some reason because <laughs> they haven't backfired on me before and he's got that certain death line playing in his head the whole time he's trying to figure out what he should do and eventually he he sides on the love has blinded me I'm going to do whatever it takes I'm specifically not going to do what I was told to do <laughs> yes whatever it takes especially not what I was told to do to make sure that I can learn this thing so I can save Padme and in order to do that, he has to make sure the Palpatine lives. And so he goes to make sure that happens. Right. So at that point, we go to Mace Windu walking into the Chancellor's office. Yes. So him and like five, four other Jedi. Right. Four other Jedi Masters are walking in on this and they're like, okay, you're under arrest. And Palpatine's like, oh, it's treason, is it? And lightsabers come out. Palpatine goes in action, immediately kills like two of them, which is a letdown. Right. <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> so you didn't bring your best guys to this that is apparent. <laughs> yeah. I, and they, they don't... 
I mean, it's really cool how Palpatine does it somewhat, but it's a little slow. And honestly, if they're Jedi, they should have been able to see it. Like by the time he gets there with his sword, they should have been able to have it up and blocked. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll grant you that it's a small room, but they should have been spread out a little bit more. <laughs> yes. They should have immediately spread out because they were all like funneled like into the doorway. <laughs> yeah. Like it, immediately they should have spread out. Like, yeah, I get it. You guys have been acting for generals for a while, but I'm pretty sure for a thousand years you were a police force. You should know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> You take people into custody all the time. Why? How did you fail in every tactic on this one? <laughs> and, you know, you've got a long history of dealing with the Sith. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping this fight scene would be bigger. Not that it wasn't big. It was. But it was primarily a fight simply between Windu and the Emperor, where you learn that, hey, the Emperor is a pretty good sword fighter. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know who's who he's been practicing against, but he's pretty good at it. <laughs> And so is Windu. And so that it's a it's a very fun fight scene. It's sort of a cross between what you would see people like Japanese style sword fighting and fencing. Right. Because especially with uh, Mace Windu style. Yes. Because he was leaving himself open. Like he had his arms spread open a lot. And you're just like, that's not very defensive. <laughs> no. You're kind of goading the other person to take you swing at you so you can get them off balance. Right. But the Emperor style is more reminiscent of... Um, Long sword fencing, not long sword. Foil. Right. Because um, he's trying to get you with the point because, you know, let's face it, they're lightsabers. So if I can get you with the point. <laughs> get you with any part of it, really. Yeah. I don't have to cut you in half. I have to stab. If I stab you, it's just as effective. But they, they both kind of cross boundaries. And that's kind of the fun thing about choreographed sword fights is you can go across different styles and it, and it makes it a lot of fun. Right. Because right? the reality is real sword fights that happen in real life don't take very long. <laughs> Most people run out of steam pretty quick because you're, you're swinging around a giant piece of steel. Although in this case, it's lightsabers. But somebody screws up quicker than, <laughs> than you get in these choreographed ones. But, you know, Jedi superpowers. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, right? I'll give it to you. So it's a fun fight scene. You get you get another shattered window out of that space, but upper atmosphere, <laughs> which is fun. The Emperor loses his lightsaber towards the end of the fight. Goes at him with the lightning. Mace Windu's like, nah, bitch. <laughs> and you end with the Emperor kind of frying himself, more or less. Right. And, you know, Anakin walking in on this. And again, gullible Anakin. They're trying to take over the, the Senate. And Anakin, stop him. <laughs> you gotta save me. I'm just a weak old man who's been injured. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then Mace Windu makes the second error, which is, hey, I've got to kill this guy. Which, again, it's the right call, but it's not done the right way. <laughs> That's why I call it an error. Like, there's other bad judgment calls Mace Windu makes, but this is an error. Like, you had the ball, but then you dropped it. <laughs> I mean, he just didn't explain himself enough. Like, look, man, you and I, we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like, we can't take this guy captive. He's too powerful. He sort of goes into that, but he's like, literally explain to me how you're going to keep this guy under control, Anakin. <laughs> walk, you walk through it to me and then we'll figure out what we'll do. I need him alive. Okay. Why do you need him alive? <laughs> explain this to me because. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're going to get into this later when we talk about Yoda and Obi-Wan coming back, but there's some stuff about all this that I, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, we still got that. <laughs> yeah, we're only like two-thirds of the way through this film, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah, and then, uh, you know, just before Mace Windu is about to strike down Palpatine, and he's like, no, I'm going to chop off your arm. <laughs> At the beginning, he, he rushes into the scene like, I have to do whatever it takes to keep this guy alive because he's the only way I'm, I know I'm going to say Padme, chop off arm. Okay, I've now solidly betrayed all of my principles. <laughs> <laughs> and the Emperor just like, all right, power, unlimited power, melty, melty <laughs> off the side of the... <laughs> <laughs> you hit him with so, no- with so much lightning and he was forced out the window. <laughs> yes. Falls into the abyss of however many floors that is. <laughs> so the first piece of all this is Anakin turning so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the, the pacing, my pacing issue, the two pacing issues. The first is getting him to turn on the Jedi Council as quickly as he did. And then this scene right here, like what happens right here is like, how? You didn't set up enough for this. <laughs> like, because he goes from, I'm part of the Jedi Order and I, you know, I just did something I shouldn't have done to I'll do whatever you say and you're my new master. Right. Like, I don't know how... It sort of plays against Anakin's, like, one of his key characteristics in that he's, like, super arrogant. Like, I feel like he would have bargained with the Emperor or, or like, asserted himself over... Or he's not the Emperor yet, or, or over Palpatine, or, or, or made some sort of deal or bargain or something. Right. Again, his attitude as being the chosen one went from, I'm the chosen one, to, I'll be your lackey. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I don't know how we, like, I'm sorry, it's a conceit to get here. Like, I have to go, okay, I believe, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it didn't, it, it didn't happen. Yeah, the pacing was bad. Like, I think you could have gotten there, but you didn't. But we just move past it effectively. Mm. Yep. And so all of it, all of that seems out of place. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. And so they're like, well, we killed this many Jedi. Now we're going to kill the rest. Because if we don't, they're going to kill us. <laughs> and that just feeds into it. You're like, ah, and your first order is go kill everybody, including the kids. <laughs> ah, I mean, I, I killed some adults I probably shouldn't have, but... We're, we're stepping into a very dark place here. <laughs> so then, yeah, you get the cool cinematic scene of him marching into the Jedi Temple with basically a battalion of, of clone troopers. Yeah, it's effectively an army. <laughs> He's marching in there with an army. And it cuts to a different scene because you just see him march in at first. You cut to the Emperor. Right. Giving Order, Order 66. 66. That's right. And all the cuts from that. You know, more effectively, Cody handing Obi-Wan his lightsaber, saying, you know, good luck. I think you're going to need this, sir. And then 30 seconds later going, shoot him. <laughs> Blast him. And then he does. And you're like, huh, that was quick. <laughs> yeah. To me, this was probably the second most emotional scene in the trilogy because it was just like that helplessness of like, there's no hope. It's just the hopeless, you know, you know what's going to happen. I'm trying to come up with a more emotional scene. For me, it was the, the end of this movie. Not the very end, but the end battle the, at the end of the last battle. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. No, for me, this seems more emotional. Okay. At least in the, like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, kind of a way. Yeah. This scene for me is it. You just see Jedi after Jedi, like, just getting betrayed by the people they trusted. Mm-hmm. You see Kaiomande go down. Plukun, Ayla Sakura. You just see all of them. And then you see Yoda escape his fate. Yeah. He goes right after Yoda and then slice, slice. <laughs> He's like, whoa, what just happened? (laughs) That was the interesting part was how easily the Wookiees accepted the scenario. Like, oh, those are not the good guys anymore. (laughs) All right, Yoda, you're with us. (laughs) We got to get you out of here. And then, you know, the laughable scene of just 
I mean, it's not laughable in the, the sense that it's funny. It was just, but it's kind of funny to watch. It's just Yoda decides he's going to go ride on Chewbacca's back. He just climbs up his arm and gets on his back. Yep. <laughs> like a little squirrel or something. <laughs> like Chewbacca's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> then we go back to um, Obi-Wan and we see his escape. Right. So he gets shot. He's in the water. He comes back up from the water and he climbs and he gets in a ship. You know, he sees, he sort of sneaks up on Cody and he finds out that, oh, yeah, no, I totally just got betrayed. <laughs> finds a ship and then flies off. Right. And he gets the message from Bail. Because we skip the scene, you know, Bail Organa flies up to the Jedi Temple. Right. Because it's on fire and he's trying to figure out what's going on. And there's also a scene where Anakin flies to Padme because she's freaking out because she's seen the temple on fire. <laughs> So, yeah, we skipped a bunch of scenes. <laughs> but that's just because this part of the movie jumps all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, you see a bunch of Jedi die. Then it goes to Anakin, cutting down young, you know, Master Skywalker. There's too many. What do we do? And phew, you know, I'm just like, no, why? Why? Which is really the darkest part of this whole movie. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. You really just go all in. You don't care, do you? <laughs> yep. Then you see more Jedi die. <laughs> And then you see it, you know, you get the Bail Organa scene where he shows up. The troopers gun down a young Jedi. Yeah, after he kills, I don't know, five or six of them. And then he flies away and they say, let him go. And then get Anakin going to Padme and telling her everything's all right. And he's, he'll be able to save her. You know, the Jedi attempted to take over the Republic and he wouldn't betray the Republic. And he doesn't know what's happened to Obi-Wan. And he hopes he's loyal to the Chancellor. And then I've got to fly off the Mustafar. And she kind of breaks down like, oh, God, what's going on in my life? <laughs> mm -hmm. And C-3PO displays his inability to do much. <laughs> <laughs> and he says it out loud. Oh, I feel so helpless. I'm like, that's because you are. <laughs> you don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> right we'll catch you next time folks this has been a, another episode of uh, pat and the fat man i'm pat i'm the fat man stay classy it force be with you next time on star wars ballsy <laughs> will anakin decide to turn back from the dark side spoiler alert Will Padme die like his dream? Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> will he become Darth Vader like, you know, he is in the next three movies? Um, will we find out why George Lucas added the word McGurkin in, <laughs> in episode four? Yeah.